You're listening to the City Church Downtown Podcast. Now here's Doug Robbins. Well, good morning, 830. How are you guys doing this morning? It's so good to see you. Yes. Well, um, you know how like when you're traveling and you're sitting in the car, you're sitting in an airplane and you get kind of uncomfortable because you're kind of scrunched up and you're sitting awkwardly and you never really sleep right uh, in the car or in an airplane. And that was the case with me as I was traveling last week. I was just kind of tired and sore from being kind of scrunched up. And then we got to the Amsterdam airport and we had like this layover there. And I thought, man, I need to do something about this because I'm not going to be able to continue on this trip because I'm so tired and sore. And so I went over to a coffee shop and I got this uh, chai latte filled with caffeine and it was delicious and tasty. And then a few of us went over to those mechanical massage chairs, you know, those things that have rollers on the inside. And we sat in those chairs and I would swear there's like these little mini ninjas in there that are just like karate chopping your back, you know, and these rollers are going up and down on your muscles and all that. And by the time I had the chai latte and the mechanical massage chair with the mini ninjas in it, I was completely revived and ready ready to get back on a plane and cross the Atlantic to come back to uh, the States. And I was thinking about that in light of my spiritual life. And, you know, pastors, we're always thinking of how things affect your spiritual life, right? And so uh, I was thinking about there are times in my spiritual life where I'm tired and sore from the journey and I need to be revived, right? It's like I've lost the excitement that I once had for the things of God and the kingdom of God and to walk with God. And I need to be revived. And uh, God did that for me through a particular experience just a few years ago. And I'm going to tell you about that later on in the teaching today. But do you ever feel like that? You ever feel like, man, I'm just, you know, I'm coming to church like a zombie. I'm like existing, but not really alive. And you just kind of walk into the church or out of duty, you, you know, read your Bible a little bit and you don't feel the motivation and the excitement to walk with God and to serve God like you once felt. Do you ever feel like you need like a spiritual chai latte and massage chair to get you revived so that you can get going again? Maybe you would resonate with the prayer of David. Take a look at it with me in Psalm chapter 85, verse six. And he says this almost like a prayer. Will you not what? Revive us again that your people may rejoice in you. And today we're going to together look at three different Bible characters that God wanted to use to bring what's called a revival to the people of God. And these three characters are Jonah, Jeremiah, and Jesus. I don't know what it is in the Bible about the J names, but God is all about the J name. We got Jonah, Jeremiah, and Jesus, and each one had a different response to bringing in revival. And one of the things that we're going to see as we study each one of these characters today uh, is that there is this connection between spiritual revival and cities. Did you catch that? There is a strong connection between spiritual revival and cities. And why is it that God cares so much about 
cities. Well, I'll show you a few reasons. One is that young adults want to live in cities, and God cares about future generations. So there's a research group called City Lab, and they said 25 to 34-year-olds, especially those with four-year college degrees or more education, are more likely to live in close-in urban neighborhoods than other Americans. And certainly that's consistent with what we see happening right before our eyes here in San Antonio as our urban core continues to develop. But another reason that God loves cities is that immigrants and the poor live in cities. And if you read through the Bible, you would see that God loves immigrants. And we should welcome and love immigrants, not only into our church, but also into our country. And God also loves the poor. And God is with the poor. Jesus is with the poor. And he is with us if we're with them. And we welcome the poor to not just be someone that we minister to, but someone we're in community with right here in our church. But another reason that God loves cities is that the people who most influence the arts and film and music and uh, all the cultural pillars of our society are typically located in the heart of cities. The center of the city is the center of influence in a region. So one has said, if you want to reach a lawyer, then you can go out to the suburbs and reach that lawyer. But if you want to change the entire legal profession in the court system, you have to go to the heart of the city because the courthouse is typically located downtown in a city. Because of all this, over the next few weeks, uh, we want to have a big prayer. We want to ask God, God, revive our city. And when I repeat that big prayer Uh, with you, and I get to the word city, I'm going to point to you, and I'd like you guys to say the word city out loud, shall we? God, our prayer is this, God, revive our City. city. Thank you very much. Now, not everyone gets on board with this whole city reviving thing, and that's where we're going to look into uh, the first Bible character today, and that is Jonah. Jonah, when he was asked to bring revival to a city, Jonah ran from a city Revival. He ran from it. And God spoke to Jonah like three times. And the first time that God came to Jonah and spoke to him, look at what he said in Jonah 1, 1 through 3. It says, the word of the Lord came to Jonah, son of Amittai, go to the great what? City of Nineveh and preach against it because its wickedness has come up before me. But Jonah did what? He ran away from the Lord and headed to Tarshish. And so uh, that didn't end well from Jonah, did it? Um, Those of you that have read through that particular Bible story, you know what happened. If you've never read that Bible story, then I'll get you up to speed by giving you the cliff notes to the story. But what happened was, was when Jonah ran away from the city where God called him to go and teach his word, he ended up getting thrown out of a boat in the stomach of a big fish. Maybe it was a grouper. I don't know what kind of fish it was, but he was in the stomach of this fish for like three days. And the fish swam near the shores, kind of close to where Nineveh was, and spit him out on the shore. And so Jonah's getting out of this fish. He's got all this fish stomach nast all over him, you know. He's trying to clean it off in the surf there. And he gets out, and God speaks to him a second time. And look at what happens there. Jonah 3, 2. God says it again. Go to the great what? City of Nineveh and proclaim to it the message I give to you. 
And so can you imagine you're Jonah at this point? The first time you ran from God, you end up in the stomach of some kind of fish, you know? And so he's thinking to himself, okay, I'm not gonna jack around this time. Okay, that didn't go well for me last time. So I better march my little happy bottom into Nineveh and teach them. And he didn't wanna do it, but reluctantly, Jonah goes to Nineveh. He teaches them the ways of God. The people of Nineveh turn to God and repent. God shows them all this grace and this mercy and Jonah's all bent about that because he didn't like these irreligious people who lived in Nineveh and he wanted God to just like torch him. You know what I'm saying? But God did not do that because God is rich in love and mercy. And so then Jonah is so bent and so chapped at God for showing mercy to irreligious people that he goes outside the city. He's sitting around pouting about God having shown his mercy and God speaks to him a third time. Look at what he says. Jonah 4.11, and should I not have concern for that great what? City of Nineveh, in which there are more than 120,000 people who cannot tell their right hand from their left, and also their animals, see? God cared about the irreligious people of Nineveh. And by the way, he cared about their animals too, because we know from the entirety of the scripture, God's an animal lover. But another thing about the animals that was significant is that in this great city, which by the way, 120,000 was a huge city at that point in history, um, but their animals represented their economy. You know how our money is like in cash or like digits on a computer somewhere? Well, their money had more fur on it at that time, and they would use their farm animals to barter and the like. Um, but the story of Jonah kind of ends with this group of, and it's kind of counterintuitive because the people that experienced the revival were these group of irreligious wild people. And the most religious guy in the whole story, Jonah, did not experience the revival of God. And you know why he didn't experience the revival and presence and grace and mercy of God in his life? Because he was an irreligious guy he was a religious guy who didn't love irreligious people and he refused to go into the city. See, this is why Jonah did not experience the revival of God. And those of you that are Christ followers, I want you to stop and think just for a minute because this concept that I'm teaching you today is counterintuitive. Christians think about getting away from tough environments and getting away from irreligious people in an effort to go deeper with God. But could it be Christ following people that your desire to get away from the city and get away from irreligious people could lead you away from the very revival that God wants to bring into your life and into your heart? Now let's look at our second Bible character today, and that would be Jeremiah. So remember, Jonah ran, Jeremiah stayed for city revival. And like Jonah, Jeremiah and the Jewish people, they were taken against their will to Babylon, a very irreligious city. And they thought these Babylonian people in this city where we're, we've been taken against our wills, they're a bunch of whack jobs and we wanna get out of here and get away from them as fast as we can. But look at what God says to Jeremiah and through Jeremiah to the Jewish people in Jeremiah chapter 29, look at verse five. He says, build homes and plan to do what? Stay. Marry and have children, then find spouses for them so that you may have many grandchildren, multiply, do not dwindle away and work 
for the peace and prosperity of the, what's that word? City where I sent you into exile, pray to the Lord for it, for its welfare will determine your welfare. You see what's going on there? When you stay in the city and help revive this city, spiritually speaking, it comes back around on you, see? You work for the peace and prosperity in the city where God sent you, and God brings revival on you. God brings peace and prosperity back on you. It comes back around on you. Now, some of you are asking, well, hey, if I decide to kind of stay and uh, be in the urban core in the city or continue to drive down here and worship, what do I do to work for the peace and the prosperity of the city? Well, there's this uh, best-selling author that I really like, Tim Keller, and he's an author and a, a pastor uh, in New York City. And he says you do a couple of things. Uh, I don't have time to go through all the things he says to do, but I'll just mention a couple of them today. One of them is this. He says, be evangelistic as a Christ-following person, uh, but also practice social justice, see? So it's be evangelistic, that is share the gospel of Christ with people, um, and then also practice social justice. And on the evangelism side, you know, it's like you want to present the message of the cross and Jesus and see people come to faith in Christ and be baptized. Like, I think we have a couple of people per service, you know, being baptized today, and we want to see that happen. And this year at City Church, I think we have um, just shy of a couple of hundred people uh, who have been and are going to be baptized here uh, this year, which is pretty amazing. So we should be about evangelism, but also so social justice. So I just want to throw this out there. Uh, what if in January uh, we allowed a group of people to use our theater, that would be the San Antonio Black Dramatic Arts Society, for their official Martin Luther King Dream Week event will happen right here uh, in our theater to spread African-American arts here for our city. And what if we took it a step further and like maybe on January the 14th, we have a grand opening for our Cameo Theater here and our services that weekend. What if they were an official Martin Luther King Dream Week event? which by the way, they are. And so uh, when we get the rest of the theater, you know, next door, the cafe and stuff renovated, we will have a grand opening on the 14th of January to celebrate Martin Luther King uh, time. And then what if we took it one step further? Uh, what if the day after the 14th, which would be the day of the Martin Luther King March, we gathered together for the march at the Martin Luther King March and we marched for equality and justice in our city, and we made it our prayer to say, God, revive our city. Yes, yes, yes. So I'm glad to hear you're on board with that because I already signed us up. So this is kind of good. But a second thing we do when we stay in the city to revive the city is that um, we connect our faith with our work, okay? You spend the majority of your time at work, don't you? And so what's important is to connect your spirituality with your career and what you do for a living during the day because God wants people in every facet of our society in every type of a job. And I say, as you're trying to follow God at work, you do so with competence and conversation. 
Okay, now a lot of Christ-following people, they wanna have the spiritual conversation at work, right? But nobody wants to listen to them because they sound kind of judgmental and they wanna have the conversation before they've shown that they can work with competence. You know what I'm saying? And so nobody at work respects their conversation because they don't work with competence and they always wanna preach at everybody, but they don't wanna work hard and do the job that they've been hired to do in the marketplace, right? And so what we say is first work on your competence so that you earn the right to have a conversation with someone uh, about Christ. Now, a lot of people always stay silent and never say anything about their faith at work, and I don't think that's right either, Um, but many of you have a lot of respect from the people in your workplace, and if you just simply shared with them in a very appropriate way at the appropriate time uh, how God has worked in your life, then that would certainly uh, be great. But I've got this friend who, in a great way, made a connection between working for the peace and prosperity of our city through his career. Uh, My friend's name is Lorenzo Gomez, and Lorenzo um, has been a friend for many years, and he runs two different nonprofits in the inner city, and one of them is called Geekdom, which is a co-working space where people that are starting up businesses can come and pay a small fee to have an office space there and get training for their startup businesses. And so hundreds of people are getting jobs now in the heart of our city, good jobs, not just, you know, really weak jobs, but getting good jobs because Lorenzo at Geekdom now has over 1,650 members who are starting up businesses, good jobs here in the heart of San Antonio. Now, a few years ago, uh, Lorenzo and I both felt called into the city. And so my calling brought me down here to start a church. And uh, Lorenzo and I would dream about, you know, uh, impacting our city, me through the church and him through business uh, and and the like. And so uh, we dreamed about how we could just continue to restore and revive the heart of this city. And uh, so we'd started this church down here. And then in several years passed by with the church going down here in downtown San Antonio, and I was driving like 50 miles round trip uh, to my house out in the suburbs to come down here, and I really wanted to live in the same community where I was ministering, and so I was praying to God about that, and I tried like three times to sell my house out in the suburbs so I could move down here, and in a bad housing market, it just wasn't happening. So I wanted to tell you today the story of how God kind of moved my family down here as well. And if you've heard that story, please don't spoil the punchline for the over half of our church congregation who's never heard this story because I hadn't told it in like four years. Um, But one day I was really frustrated and I was in need of a spiritual like chai latte and massage to get revived because I was tired from driving all the way down here and working hard to get the church going here in the inner city. And I called my friend Lorenzo and I'm saying, Lorenzo, man, dude, I don't know if I really heard from God about going to the city. Remember that that's the significant word for me was city, right? And I'm like, Lorenzo, I don't know if I really heard from God or if this was just like, I I ate some bad Mexican food, right? And I was uh, kind of thinking wrong um, because I felt called to the city, but I'm trying to move my family down here to the city and God's not letting me do it. And you know what he did? He really made me mad. You know why? He quoted one of my own sermons on me, at me. That's for you people. I don't have to live this stuff, right? And it's like, I, he's quoting my own sermon on me. And he says, Doug, you're doing the right thing. You heard from God, but you just hang in there, man, because God has something better for you than what you even dreamed or imagined for you and your family. 
And I said, okay, dude. So I hung up the phone. And that day I was driving back to our suburban house and I always take a different route home. I don't know about you, but I sometimes just like to go different ways for the fun of it. And uh, sometimes I get lost and it's okay. I just find a new way. But uh, I, I drove this different way and I drove by this house that was for sale close down here to the to downtown. And I saw the for sale sign in the yard and I didn't wait for a realtor. I just stopped. I went up to the door. I just knocked on the door and the, the guy answered the door and he was gracious enough to like actually invite me in. And he walked me through the house and I thought this floor plan could work for what my wife and kids and I really need for, for a house. And so I rushed home, uh, I got online, I looked up this house on the internet, I showed it to my wife, Jeannie, and she said, yeah, that could really work. I mean, it's obviously a fixer-upper, you know, but we, we could pull it off. So uh, we got excited and we thought, do we dare put our suburban house on the market again? Because we've had it on the market three times, we struck out, we didn't sell it any of those three times. Do we dare put the house on the market again? And we, at that time, our kids were little and you know how little kids, they totally tear up the house. Now that they're teenagers, they only tear up their own rooms, right? But at that time, they would just totally wreck the house. But we decided to clean up our suburban house again, put it on the market one more time and see what God would do. Well, we put it on the market and not long after we'd put the suburban house on the market, someone got the downtown house under contract. It's like, ugh, kick in the gut. Well then, like not very much time passes and there are two people in a bidding war over our suburban house and it sells. And we were excited that it was selling because we'd not been able to sell the suburban house. Um, but then we sold it and we realized, oh no, we're homeless. We're gonna really relate to the urban poor who maybe uh, there's space under a bridge, but thank God, Humby and his wife, Lauren, got a really great house over in the Deco District, you know, by Jefferson High School, and it had a little one-room, one-bathroom casita in it, and so my family of four and two cats moved into Humby's backyard casita. It was awesome, man. <laughs> And then we're looking around and we're really motivated now to try and find a house in the inner city. And we can't find anything. I mean, we're looking around, we can't find anything that would fit our family in a way that we had uh, thought about. And we had this uh, friend and she says, I got a word from God for you. And I'm always cautious of that, right? Because everybody has a word of God for you, don't they? And sometimes they just, what they mean is they had a thought for you, right? But this woman, she says, I've got a word from God for you. I had this in a dream. She said, God says, you go to that house that you really wanted, the first one, and you pray for it, and you anoint it with oil, and you bless it, and you ask God to give it to you. And like some of you are doing right now, I did the same thing. I'm rolling my eyes. I thought, lady, you're a freaking charismaniac. I mean, you know, there's no way that, uh, that I'm gonna do that. I thought, you are a nut job, okay? So uh, anyways, we're still looking. We can't find anything. And I'm sitting at a downtown restaurant with my wife and kids, and I'm like, Jeannie, what have we got to lose? Let's just make fools of ourselves and go over there and like, I don't know what you, how you anoint a house, but let's figure it out, okay? So we go to Walgreens and Jeannie goes into the Walgreens. She buys the last bottle of cooking oil off the shelf because they were out of house anointing oil in the Walgreens that day. So she buys cooking oil. 
and we drive over to the house downtown uh, that we had initially wanted that was under contract by someone else. And we're walking up into the yard with a bottle of cooking oil. And I'm thinking, how do you anoint a house? I just take off the lid. I'm going to shake a little here, shake a little there. Maybe that'll do it. Um, And then my son is yelling out the window of the car, you're trespassing. (laughs) So I'm thinking, maybe you anoint a house like the Jewish people did on Passover. So I take the bottle of oil and Jeannie and I walk up onto the porch. I'm kind of scared now because I know I'm trespassing there. And I put the bottle of oil down. I stick my finger in it and I rub it over the doorpost. And then I take Jeannie's hand and I start to pray. And I pray, God, please bless the people that own this house. God, bless the people that have this house under contract and bring your kingdom here. And if you would want us to live here, we would gladly receive it. Well, we get back in the car, kids still making fun of us. We're driving from that house near downtown back over here to the Cameo, and we get a phone call, my cell phone. And it's our realtor. Her name's Barbara Sadoff. And Barbara says, Doug, I think this is a God thing. The people who had your house under contract just backed out, and I put a backup offer in for you, and you have that house under contract right now. And we pulled back in here, and Jeannie, my wife, was crying, and I may have been leaking just a little bit of testosterone out of the side of my eye like this. And we hugged, embraced, and my son in the back seat was so funny. He shrugs. He says, I got to admit, I just experienced a miracle. (laughs) And by the way, uh, you know what street we live on? Take a look on screen. That's where we live. And that experience for us was like a spiritual chai latte and a massage to say, God, guys, keep going. Keep going. Be revived. You can keep doing this. And you know, sometimes I'll go up on the roof of our house because I like rooftops and good views. And from the roof of our house, you can see downtown and the Tower of the Americas and all that. And I'll go up there and pray for our city sometimes. And I'll imagine how Jesus felt when he prayed over the city where he would complete his ministry. And we see Jesus' response to revival. Jesus wept for a city revival. Look at Luke 19, 41, as he approached Jerusalem and saw the what? City. He wept over it and said, if you, even you, had only known on this day what would bring you peace, but now it is hidden from your eyes because you did not recognize the time of God's coming to you. Jesus had such a burden, compassion, concern, and love for the city of Jerusalem that he wept over his city to see spiritual revival come. Last week, I was in Moscow, and I had a couple of uh, hours to go to one of the museums there, and I saw this place that was amazing. It's called the Hall of Memory and Sorrows. In this first picture, you can see this hallway that memorializes the almost 27 million Russians who died defending their motherland from Nazi Germany in World War II. Um, And by the time the United States joined 
World War II to help and become an ally with Russia. Over uh, millions and millions of Russians had already died protecting their homeland from the brutal Nazi regime. And in the second picture, you're going to see the statue below that represents the Russian mothers, wives, sisters, and daughters mourning for their husbands, brothers, sons who were killed in that war. And in the ceiling, you look at the top and you can see over 2.6 million bronze pendants with crystal tears symbolizing the sorrow of the Russian people mourning their dead. And I stood there and I looked up at that and this picture on screen is not doing justice to the scale and the magnitude of this memorial. But like I'm, I'm moved to tears when I see all of this. And I thought to myself, why am I so moved by this, man? I mean, I, certainly I appreciate, you know, what they did and it helped win the war so that Nazism didn't spread around the world and potentially here, you know. I was motivated by that, certainly, but I'm an American. I mean, I'm sitting there in this Russian memorial and I'm like moved to tears. And you know why? Because God hardwired you and I to feel something for people who are suffering. And furthermore, God wired you and I to be moved by sacrifice made for others. Because God wanted you and I to have this wiring inside of us to be moved by the sacrifice of what Jesus did for you and I on the cross when he died there for our sins, when he shed tears for us with a burden for us, wanting us to spend eternity with God. But you know what? Just like Jesus said um, through Luke, he saw the city and wept over it. If you had only known on this day what would bring you peace, but it's hidden from your eyes. And for some of you, it's hidden from your eyes what will really bring you peace and it's because you did not recognize the time of God's coming to you and what I'm going to say to you today is a little bit on the bold side but I'm saying God wants to bring ultimate peace to some of you today and to this point it's been hidden but right now you have a window of opportunity to receive what will really bring you peace in eternity and that is a love relationship with God through Jesus Christ by simply trusting that when he died on the cross he died there to pay the penalty for your sins because he's like over the top in love with you and so with that in mind how about we bow for prayer and as we bow before a holy God Maybe someone here would say, God, I want to know you. And God, I want to believe right now. And in this window of opportunity you've given me, I'm praying now and I'm saying, God, I choose right now in this special holy moment to believe that Jesus Christ, when he died on the cross, he died there for my sin. And God, I welcome you into my life. And for the rest of us who are already Christ followers, we're praying something like this. God, would you please place a burden in our hearts that as we stay in the city, that we would cry for city revival, that we would cry for children that don't know you, that we would cry for students, teenagers, and adults in our city that are suffering without Christ. God, would you revive 
our city. And we pray these things in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Everyone said, amen. Amen. Well, today, I think we've got like a couple of people uh, to be baptized in each of our services. If you guys who are being baptized would come on down. And by the way, I want to say this, is that if you just prayed to begin a relationship with Christ and you'd like to take the first step of obedience to him, here's what I want you to do. Just roll back to the lobby. They've got clothes and everything for you. And you can put those on and you can walk down here and be baptized right here in this service today as an expression of your love for God and obedience to God. Uh, So you guys watch and enjoy as we see this beautiful multi-sensory experience the Bible calls baptism. so much for your grace to us in this city and we thank you for each and every one of the baptisms in this service and the services coming up and we celebrate and thank you and we want to join our hearts with yours to see this city spiritually revived because it god we know that it doesn't matter if all the buildings get fixed up in downtown if the people are jacked up and so we welcome your spirit to change us and change others in jesus name Amen. Thanks for listening. For more information, visit citychurchdowntown.com.